Good morning, church. There's a, I know it's a little, uh, I know it's a little old fashioned, but there, there was an old saying that goes something like this. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So you've heard of it. Yeah, through his stomach. I know for a fact that it doesn't always work out that way. Now, in my case, I did happen to marry the girl who worked at the bakery who would bring me muffins at the end of the day. But I also know families where the man does the bulk of the cooking. Totally cool if you're good at that rock and roll. But in either case, I think you can make a real... I think there's a real connection between food and love. The proof is in the humble brown paper bag. I'm going to put this here so y'all can see it. For decades, this has been the the go-to staple for packaging kids' school lunches. And you can tell there's love inside. I want you to think back to the first school lunch that you packed. You remember how you made the sandwich and then you cut all the crust off and then you cut it into those little perfect triangles. You put it in the bag and it was a perfectly balanced meal. There's a little fruit in there, a little, little healthy snack. I don't know how to do it, so that's all I got is sandwich and fruit. Um, and then like you did a little handwritten note. Hey, buddy, love you so much. So proud of you. You put it in the bag. Your kid can't read yet, but it's fine, you know? Uh, the teacher will be impressed. And you put the little smileys, little hearts on it, and the kid's going to know that at least, right? Now fast forward a couple years, and maybe a couple kids. How's that lunch looking? Did, did you still cut the sandwich into the perfect triangles? Did you still put in that handwritten little note? Some of y'all did. Some of y'all didn't. And I'm not saying who loved your kid more. And I'm not saying who loved your kid more because, you know, I think, I think a lot of people don't sustain that level of, you know, nicety. But you know what they did? You know what you did? You got up every morning, whether you felt like it or not, and you filled up that brown paper bag. You didn't do it because it was fun. And you didn't do it because you were getting paid. You didn't do it because somebody made you do it. Every morning, you got out of bed, maybe even before you started the coffee pot, filled up that little brown paper bag. And why did you do it? Because you loved the kid. It may not be glamorous or exciting, but it's real, it's honest, and it's what they need. And I think this is what church is supposed to be like. I think this is what being church is supposed to be like. 
there's a lot of folks who, who don't think about church that way. They associate church with guilt. In their mind, the sermons are fire and brimstone with the express purpose of shaming people in the crowd to sin less. I suppose there are churches like that. I've never personally been to one. Been at some that got a little close, but, you know, uh, God forbid that I would ever be that guy. But there is, on the opposite extent, Uh, extreme, maybe. There are churches that try so hard to avoid that stereotype that they will never talk about sin at all. They'll talk about blessings. Yep. They'll talk about faith, prayer, tips for a better life. But they won't talk about sin. Now, I want to share with you the real Jesus. I don't want to give you an artificial Jesus. I I want you to have the real Jesus. And the real Jesus is very concerned about your guilt. But he doesn't want to crush you with it. And and he also, most certainly, he doesn't want you to ignore it. Because guilt paralyzes. Guilt drives wedges. I mean, look, when you've got something hanging over your head, you and somebody else you will go out of your way to avoid eye contact. You know what I'm saying? They're coming down the hall, all of a sudden, you need to go in this room for something, right? Because, you know, and this happens with God all the time. People who feel like they're in a place where they can't come to God, they don't want want the people in the church looking at them because some of them know. Guilt paralyzes, it drives wedges. It is a powerful tool if if it's left in Satan's hands. And Jesus will have no part of that. You know who felt guilty? Um, Can you bump me up just a little bit? I'll tell you about somebody who felt guilty. Peter. Imagine that you're Peter. Now, Peter is a guy who is, who is high highs and low lows. Peter does not have, like, a middle gear, right? He's in fifth gear or reverse, that's it. <laughs> um, so remember the story of Peter and Jesus. Maundy Thursday. He's up in the upper room. They're having... The Passover, Jesus gives them Lord's Supper for the first time. They're having this big moving thing. Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet, and Peter's like, no way. No, no, no. I should wash your feet. And Jesus is like, just, dude, chill for a minute, okay? And then Jesus goes on to talk about how everybody's going to abandon him. And you know what Peter says? Lord, even if everybody else abandons you, I will never abandon you. Fast forward one day. Jesus is on trial, and Peter's in the courtyard, kind of watching it at a distance. And the young lady comes up and says, hey, you're with Jesus, right? (laughs) What? Who's that? Jesus? I've never met the guy. Well, yeah, no, we can tell. Your accent, you're you're a Galilean, and that's why you're... No, 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 no. 
I have never met Jesus. You know, it's like, Peter, come on. Three times he does this. And then the rooster crows and he cries. This was Peter, Peter who's in the inmost circle. Peter who was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Right? Peter who was given a new name by Jesus. And this is a tradition that happens throughout Scripture, but not a lot, and only with real special people, you know? Like Abraham, and Jacob. Peter is basically the team captain for the apostles. And he knows, I'm going to be with you till the end, and then when it's clutch time, when the moment's there, blows it. He denies Jesus. And he does it, you know, he does it with oaths and curses, and, and then Jesus makes eye contact with him right there and then. Do you think a night like that might haunt you for a little while? You think you might feel a little guilt? You think you might want to avoid Or, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe avoidance isn't Peter's bag, right? Maybe, maybe you try and make it up to Jesus, right? You hustle twice as hard. You make big gestures in the hopes that Jesus' memories of your betrayal might be overshadowed by your accomplishments. I don't know. Whichever alternative might, you know, Peter might be pushed to by guilt, and the latter seems more likely to me. The trouble is that in both cases, who is Peter thinking about? Himself. In both cases, whether you're avoiding or trying to overdo it, it ends with a preoccupation on yourself. Guilt fixates us on ourselves. When you're feeling guilt before God, you start worrying about what God thinks about you. And you start, like, you start deciding for him how he feels about you. But in this story that we just read today from God's word, it's about Jesus, and he pulls Peter out of his guilt, and he puts him back on mission. So cool. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? How many times? Three times. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I do. And you know, this would have been the time for Jesus to say, oh, really? But he doesn't do that. He knows how Peter's being weighed down, and he just gently and kindly wipes away his past and offers him a new future. And it's fascinating to see how Peter is humbled in this moment, you know, because he's probably bracing himself for it, right? Peter, do you love me? Yes. The question that Jesus asks, you know, you could, he, he doesn't use the same, he doesn't answer with the same word, right? So, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And what Peter says is something like, Lord, you know I have deep affection for you. Like he's scared to say the L word almost. 
he talks about how he feels, but he's not talking about the sort of love that Jesus preached about, right? That, that unconditional, limitless, boundless, infinite love. Peter knows he doesn't have that, right? He doesn't, he doesn't think he has the kind of love that would lead him to the cross. But that's exactly what Jesus is calling him to. And that's what Jesus is talking about. When you're old, people will address you and they'll stretch out your hands. Affection for Jesus is a fine thing. I hope that you have a deep regard and a heartfelt affection for Jesus. But that's, that's a narrow thing that serves you more than it serves him. How you feel about Jesus is more about your gratification. What Jesus wants is our love for him to mirror his love for the Father. Jesus did not love his heavenly Father by privately emoting at him. Oh, it's so nice being, you know. No, his love for the Father existed in the ministry and the sacrifice that he did for us. The Father sent Jesus on a mission to seek and save the lost, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to set the captive free. Jesus loved his Father, and so he did that. Now, in our world, we usually think about love as supposed to be reciprocal, right? We love in the hopes that we get loved back. Oftentimes, we choose to love because we need to be loved. And then sometimes we transfer that model onto God. We start to think of our relationship with God like a closed loop, you know? He loves and blesses me, so I am full of affection for God. I'll even express it in church, emotively, in songs, in prayers, and, and, and now I've got a great relationship with God. But no. That's not how Jesus teaches Peter to love him. Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Ah, feed my sheep. Don't feed me. Feed my sheep. In this exchange, Jesus' love is a constant, right? He loved first. His love cannot be earned. It's a free gift for the undeserving. But if that love is to be returned, it can't be handed back to Jesus. The love of Jesus, the love that Jesus desires for us, is to reach out. This is what Jesus means when he says, um, in the parable of the sheep and the goats, he says, Whatever you have done to the least of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. Because you're never going to find Jesus hungry or cold or in prison. Not, not, you know, not in the way that we would expect to. He doesn't have needs that we can meet. You can't pack a lunch for Jesus, right? But, but he has given us the gift of needy people around us so that your love for him can be manifest in the people around you. Now we're no longer just talking about love. Now we're not just having warm affection for God. We're having honest, real-world, day-in-and-day-out, physical, real love 
Jesus' love for you is a constant. It's a historical fact and a present reality. It's not a feeling he had. It was demonstrated to us. And I hope that this love is, is cultivating in you a love like his. I, I hope that you're so gripped and shaken by his love that knows no limits, that your heart is bursting at the seams to love him back. And if it is, then his word for you is the same as it was for Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now, I could end there, but there was something that occurred to me in this, uh, in this story that I don't want to gloss over. You know, you don't, you don't feed sheep out of a trough. I'm not a farmer, but I know this much, okay? How do you feed sheep? Like, for real, how do you feed them? You graze them. You take them to the pasture. And then you take their head and you shove it down in the grass. Right? No? No. Here's what you do. You take the sheep and you walk with them. Gently. You lead them where they need to go. You might have to kind of pull them back from where they're trying to go. But you, you go with them where they need to get, and then they graze. And you know what? They might not all graze at the same speed. You just kind of, you're patient with them. And you just get them in the spot where they can take it in. And I, I, you know, sometimes I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that we're going to, we are going to go out and we are... We're going to go evangelize. We're going to go put the, put the love of Jesus in somebody whether they like it or not. You know, no, no. We're just going to walk with them. We're going to lead them. We're going to do, we're going to do our work day in and day out. You know, when you send this with your kid, you're not sitting with them in the lunchroom making sure they eat the healthy stuff, right? But you keep packing the healthy stuff. And I think it's like that for us when we share the faith. You know, you, you, you're going to lead them. Okay? You're going to be there with them. You're going to share. You're going to do life with them. In the end, they're going to graze at their own pace. And you just got to trust that that's the process. But you can't stay in the same spot. Got to move. You got to move with them. Come to think of it, I think that's the way that Jesus shepherds us, isn't it? Maybe we could learn a little bit from the Good Shepherd, too. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you so much that you have loved us, that you have committed to feeding your sheep. And we thank you that your forgiveness wipes away our guilt. Your forgiveness meets us where we are. You don't want us to stay separated and stay apart and to ignore and to avoid. And you don't even need big grand gestures from us. You already love us. We pray that you'll teach us to love like you love. We pray that you'll give us a heart like your heart. We pray that you'll teach us, even as you know, so many of us, we, we concern about whether or not we're being fed. And that's a fair question, Lord, but I pray that as we start to mature, you'll start to turn our hearts away from the question of, am I being fed? To who am I feeding? And am I feeding? 
Help us, Lord, to walk patiently, lovingly, carefully with the people around us who are hungry. Help us show them where the good food is. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to rise and receive a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.